Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumlaw Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumlaw or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumlaw.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Well, again, good morning, Grumlaw Church. We are so thankful that all of you decided to join us here today, especially uh, if you are new to this whole church experience. Uh, this time of the year it tends to bring a lot of new people through our doors. Uh, it tends to bring a lot of new eyeballs here on Church Online. Uh, and so, again, if you are just kind of checking things out, we again say welcome. Thank you for giving us a shot. Uh, last week, as, as a lot of you know, uh, we began a 12-week series titled Controversial Jesus. Uh, and if you missed last week. Uh, It was a pretty important one as it laid the groundwork for everything else that we're going to be talking about in this series. Uh, Topics that include homosexuality, abortion, gender dysphoria, divorce, politics, women in leadership, uh, and a couple of others. So uh, if you did miss part one, I'm going to ask, in fact, I'm I'm actually going to kind of beg you, please, 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 please go back, get yourself caught up with part one, because again, it lays the groundwork, the foundation for everything else we're going to be talking about. Uh, In my humble opinion, I think it's about the most important week that you could listen to. So please, if you missed part one, go back and listen to it at grumlaw.com slash messages or, or find us under Grumlaw Church wherever it is that you grab your podcast. Uh, I shared with all of you last week uh, the conviction uh, that this series has, has been born from. Uh, if the church doesn't disciple you, the, the world sure will. In my humble opinion, and mind you, that this is a position that that I once held, and honestly, not that long ago, uh, gone are the days where we as the church can can say things and get away with saying things like, well, uh, those types of topics are are best reserved exclusively for, for private conversations. Uh, Because these topics are being discussed ad nauseum in virtually every public space, we as the church have a responsibility to present you with with a different viewpoint. And and as we mentioned last week, not not just a different viewpoint, but, but a better one. Because you see, God's word isn't just a version of truth, it is quite literally the truth. As we unpacked last week, if God says it to us, then it must be best for us. And if there's something inside of you that pushes back against that, remind yourself that he would freely offer his one and his only son as the once and for all sacrifice for, for your sin problem. That is how for you he is. These words, even the stuff that every bone in our body pushes back against, that they're an effort by God to protect us from ourselves. That the stuff that will ultimately lead to undermining our, our joy and our purpose and our contentment and our peace. Something that we're, we're all actually universally searching for. So, so, so God, he's not trying to be restrictive. He's rather looking further down the road than, than we have the ability to see. He's, he's leading us to that better life. Again, as we say so often around here, God is for you. Uh, he, here's our sort of theme verse uh, for this series. We find it in a letter that Paul wrote to his good friend Timothy uh, and subsequently has been preserved for all of us. And I, I like to remind us of that, 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 that God's word, his living, breathing word is a gift for us. It's been preserved for us. It's not for God. He wasn't worried that he would forget. No, he knew that we would forget. And so he writes here in this letter, watch your life and your doctrine closely. persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Uh, Apparently, Paul knew what what we all know, that that left to our own devices or in our flesh, we exclusively drift away from that which is is best for us. So, So he implores us to watch our lives 
and our doctrine closely. Stand firm in them. And doing so will not only protect you, but also those whom you have influence over. So it's in that vein that we're hitting on some topics that as a culture, but more importantly, as the big C church, that is the collective body of followers of Jesus all over the world, have experienced some, some drift. We're not asking ourselves, what do I prefer or, or what do I feel? Rather, we're asking, what does God say? What sort of loving, kind counsel that does God offer in these areas, trusting that, again, if God says it to us, then it must be best for us. Uh, and with that, let, let me pray this morning for humbled hearts as we dive into our first uh, controversial topic here of this series. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good, good God. We thank you that, again, these words in this, in this good book uh, have been preserved for us. Uh, we thank you that you're always trying to lead us towards something better. And again, more than anything, I just pray for humbled, softened hearts for whatever it is that you want to say to us here today. Uh, we love you, and it's in your good, pleasing name that we pray. Amen. Uh, now, as we dive in today, uh, I want to do a little exercise, and this is an exercise that I've done in the past, and I'm actually going to do this throughout this series on the front end of these, these messages, uh, that I really do believe it, it helps align our hearts. Uh, before we dive into the meat of this message, I'd like to have all of you repeat after me, and yes, do this, even though you're, you're watching like in your living room, in your bathroom, and in your kitchen, wherever you're watching from, uh, repeat after me. I would rather my pastor tell me what is true than what I want to hear. One more time. I would rather my pastor tell me what is true than what I want to hear. Good. Here's, here's why I have us do that. I promise you that, that at some point, and probably on multiple occasions in this series, you will find yourself going, I, I don't like that. You'll find defensiveness and, and possibly even anger creeping up inside of you. And, and here's what I want to remind you of. In those moments, when everything inside of you is pushing back, I am, am merely the spokesperson for God's word. I did not come up with this stuff. I am simply communicating to all of you what it is that God says. Stuff that he says, by the way, to protect you from, from you. My role as the pastor of this church is to share the truth of God's word with all of you, but, but admittedly, it is entirely up to you what you do with it. And it's certainly not lost on me that, that some of you, and this happens every single week, some of you will receive and some of you will reject. So, so, so with that in mind, uh, let, let's kind of go here. Uh, a sentiment that, that has risen in popularity recently, but admittedly, it's definitely not unique to this particular moment in history. Uh, it goes something like this. I believe what I believe, and that's good for me. You believe what you believe, and that's good for you. I believe what I believe, and that, that's good for me. You believe what you believe, and, and that's good for you. At, at the heart of this is, is that as long as you are genuinely seeking some higher power and, and you're doing your best to live a quote-unquote good life, and typically living a good life is reduced to being nice and tolerant to the people around you, that then come the end of your life, if there does end up being something after this life, then that's going to be good enough to get you into the good graces of God. Y'all have probably heard right, some version of this. All religions are basically the same. So I believe what I believe, and that's good for me. You believe what you believe, and that's good for you. Uh, my goal, seriously, with this message, is that come the end of your life, as you stand in front of the almighty God, you will not be able to look at your creator and say, oh my gosh, nobody ever loved me enough to tell me the truth. 
So, so today we're, we're, we're gonna talk about the exclusivity of Jesus. The, the idea that Jesus is the only path to salvation and in turn, eternal life. And, and we're gonna start this morning by taking a look at some passages that completely debunk this cultural sentiment that, that all paths lead to God. Uh, the first one we find in an account titled John. It's one of the four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus that we find right at the beginning of the New Testament, which is kind of the latter half of scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, and here we actually have some of Jesus's words preserved for us. It says, Jesus told him, and subsequently again, all of us, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. And and notice here, Jesus doesn't say, I am a way and I am a truth and I am a life. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. And and Jesus, uh, aware that this would be indeed a controversial statement, because again, this sentiment that that all paths sort of lead to God, it's not unique to this cultural moment. He, He doubles down, he clarifies, he makes sure that we all understood exactly what he meant When he continues and says, I am the way, I am the truth and the life, no one, he says, can come to the Father except through me. And then he expounds upon this in verse seven. He says, if you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. In other words, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. To know God is to know Jesus. You can't separate God from Jesus. As we often say around here, you wanna know what God is like? Well, 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 then check out Jesus. So many people, and maybe this would describe you this morning, that they have such diabolical and, and twisted views of God. But, but if you want to know what God is like, and, and you don't want to base that upon simply what you've heard about him, what you've, what you've read about him on Facebook posts and on different articles, I, I would invite you, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Again, the four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus. And and there, you won't merely hear about Jesus. You you will be able to see exactly what he is like. Let's look at another example, a little bit of context on this one. Uh, These words are being preached by a guy who went by the name of Peter. And and he's preaching to a group of people in the Greco-Roman world who, who believed, mind you, in a lot of different gods. And he clarifies, he says, there is salvation in no one else. Speaking of Jesus, God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Church, the world hates these words. Many pastors avoid teaching these words, but but Jesus said these words. And very plainly, I want to ask us this morning, who will you trust more, man or or Jesus? The, the God of the universe who would get off of his throne in heaven for, for you. Now, I'm about to say some things at this point in the sermon as it relates to other world religions and faith traditions that, that would be deemed very politically incorrect, but biblically are completely accurate and true. Again, I want to return to our words from earlier. I would rather my pastor tell me what is true than what I want to hear. And in order to appropriately address this topic of other faiths and, and other religions, there's a truth that my buddy Josh Howerton, who's a pastor down in Texas, a church called Lake Point, would highly recommend. Uh, if you're looking for more sermons to, to get into on a week-to-week basis, he is a very, very uh, gifted uh, and God-inspired preacher. Uh, Josh Howerton, he reminds me of this so often. Whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. Whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. Get God is a God of hope and truth. He literally cannot lie. Satan is the father of lies. God has a plan to bless you. Satan has a plan to destroy you. Ultimately, uh, you get to decide which plan you choose. Make no mistake about it though, Satan's goal is to deceive you 
and lead you away from the God of truth. And he does this by producing counterfeits or a lie that looks like the truth. Well, let me kind of just give us a couple of rapid fire examples here from scripture. Uh, God sent the Holy Spirit. Satan sends evil spirits or, or demons. God sends prophets and teachers. Satan sends false prophets and false teachers. God sent Jesus Christ. Satan will someday counterfeit by sending the Antichrist. Uh, last one, God created a door to life. His name is Jesus. Satan responds by creating all of these other counterfeit doors that lead to death, all of the other religions. He will do anything to keep you from walking through the one true door. Now, I should probably also pause right here and mention uh, that I hate talking about Christianity in the same breath as these other religions. Uh, because religion, hang on to this thought here, religion is man's attempt to get to God. Jesus is God's attempt to get to man. Big, big difference between religion and, and relationship. It's what sets Christianity apart from all other faith traditions. So, so while these other religions are indeed spiritual, they are birthed from evil spirits. And, and, and I recognize that as I say that to some of you, uh, that will sound very tinfoil hatty. But, but remember, again, whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. Uh, I want to show us another passage here from, from a letter to the early Christian church in Corinth. Uh, Paul is addressing a group of people who, as mentioned last week, were not totally unlike this cultural moment, who, who seemed to, to kind of like Jesus, but, but they were also mixing in some of this other stuff and these other religions that, that didn't really align itself with, with the words of Scripture. And here he writes, he implores us, I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And he says very plainly, I don't want you to participate with demons. But Paul is saying, you think you're worshiping this other God or a God that's actually pretty similar to the one true God. You're actually worshiping a demon. He would go on later in his letter to his buddy Timothy and double down on this. He would say, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. That is the faith in Jesus. And they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Now, if you've never picked up and read scripture before, we can kind of innocently read that verse and think, wow, like there's gonna be a time where like people are bowing down to like to, to actual demons. That's That's crazy. No, no, no. Paul right here, he's talking about other religions, even legalistic and progressive forms of Christianity. This is exactly what John was getting at when he implores us. And again, this is one of the guys who is arguably closer to Jesus than anyone else. He says, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. He says, you must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. Which obviously then begs the question, it's like, well, well, how do you do that, right? Like, like, how do you know if if a spirit comes from God? And he actually tells us how. He says, for there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the spirit of God, the one true God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. In other words, if that prophet, if that person speaking is pointing people to Jesus as the one, the exclusive way to be saved, good. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that he is indeed God, that he came in human form and died for our sins, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit actually of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world, and he actually tells us, indeed is already here. Very simply, is the spirit of that teaching leading you to the feet of Jesus Christ? 
If it is not, that is evil. It is a counterfeit spirit that is actually attempting to lead you away from the one true God, away from that one true door. Church, this is why, and just think about this, because we've all seen this flesh itself out. In society right now, adherence to any other religion is cool, it's, it's acceptable, it's celebrated. Uh, we, we've even actually seen in our, in our cultural moment right now a, a rise in Satanism. And, and when you actually get in and, and you read about what, what those who worship Satan are, are putting their trust in, uh, it is the epitome, epitome of counterfeiting God. It's not like burn the world down and, and hate all the people around you. No, it, it's, they actually take these words like love your neighbor as yourself and, and they use it as a tool to celebrate virtually every non-biblical cause. In our culture right now, all of the religions, cool, accepted, celebrated, they need to be honored. But, but have you noticed Bible-believing Jesus followers are being entirely rejected and opposed? It's, it's the one faith tradition that, that, that society has a very, very low tolerance for. Why is that? Because Satan is good with you walking through any other door. So long as it's not the one door that actually leads to eternal life. It's again why Jesus himself would say, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So, so, so first point here, no one enters except through this door and his name is Jesus. And church, this is where all the controversy stems from. And if you're new to this whole Christianity thing, you are asking a perfectly legitimate question as you're wrestling through the exclusivity, what the world would even label as, as intolerance of this. Seriously, it's like there, there's only one door. But, but, but can I kind of just gently right now uh, point out your raging hypocrisy? Um, what, very candidly, is on the front of your house? See, see what I did right there, right? There's a door. And so honestly, and I don't say this in a demeaning way, if you are all about inclusivity, then go home, take your door off of its hinges, remove those hinges, like it is just open policy. That take off that front door of your house, practice tolerance, inclusivity, affirmation, and, and let anyone into your house at any time of day, and, and then I will take that argument seriously. But think about it this way. When a dad, for instance, p- puts a locked door on the front of his house, is that an act of love or, or hate? I think most of us would agree, right? It's, it's an act of love. He, he does it because he loves his family and, and would not allow anyone into his home who might harm his wife, who might harm his kids. God, the guy we worship around here, is a father. Heaven is his home. And God loves his kids so much so that he would send his one and his only son to die for his kids so that he might get the opportunity to have a relationship with them back. So, so heaven has a door. And that door is Jesus. Furthermore, that the sentiment that Jesus is just so exclusive, y'all, that is so misinformed. Every religion or faith tradition is exclusive. Buddhism, Islam, shoot, even agnosticism as it excludes those who say that they know. They're all exclusive, but don't miss this. Jesus is the most inclusive exclusivity that the world has ever known. Which brings me to point two. Anyone gets in who passes through that door, the door of Jesus. Literally nothing can ever disqualify you from being able to walk through that door. When you think about a door, and I like this, think about these two words, any and only, any and only. When there's a door to a room, the, the, the only way to get into that room is to pass through the door, right? That's, that's kind of exclusive. 
but, but let's bring in that inclusive language. Anyone who enters through that door gets into the room. That, that's very inclusive. With so many other faith traditions, so many other religions, your wealth, your level of education, uh, the people group, your race, gender, it buys you some level of status. Not the case with Jesus. There is neither Jew nor Greek, male or female, slave or free. All are welcome to pass through the blood-stained door of Jesus Christ. The, the sentiment that, that all good people from any religion should go to heaven, that's actually about as exclusive as it gets. Be, be, because you know who that excludes? Bad people, which is, well, everyone, you and, and me. Because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and you want to know what's so inclusive about Jesus? He, he came and he died died for sinners. He paved the way for those who know that they are bad, who know that they are not good to come back and step into a right relationship with God. Every religion, every ideology is exclusive, but Christianity is far and away the most inclusive, and don't miss this, and the least complicated. Because, especially if you're new to all this, you don't want to miss this, you don't have to do anything. In every other major faith tradition, it's all about what you do to get back into the good graces of God. No, no, with Christianity, with following Jesus, you simply have to believe in someone. Now, now this certainly raises the question, uh, what about those who have never heard of Jesus? I I actually get this question all the time. Uh, Quick, actually, a little observation on this, and I don't mean this to be passive-aggressive at all. I I do find it interesting that that oftentimes the individual who's asking this question about, like, what about all those other people who have never heard of Jesus? Uh, Oftentimes, the person asking that question is doing little to share their faith with their neighbor, their coworker, their friend, their family members. So, So there's all this concern for, like, unreached people groups, but little concern for for the people that they personally know. Now, now, before I answer this, here's a biblical principle uh, that all of us would be wise to kind of try and get our heads around. Whenever you're asking a question that stems from Scripture, and th- this question certainly falls into that category, what about those who have never heard about Jesus? You have to filter the answer to that question through the character of the person who wrote the Scriptures. Uh, and just to make sure we're really clear on this, uh, God personally did not come down and like handwrite the scriptures, but he inspired people through the Holy Spirit to write these words. We believe that these words uh, have been written through men by God. So, so, so here are three very important characteristics of God himself that, that you got to hang on to. God is good. God is just. God is love. God is good. He is just. He is love. He is good. He is just. He is love. So we can ask questions, and they're reasonable questions to ask. How could God judge someone for a knowledge that they never had? What about an individual with with an intellectual disability? What about children? Calm down. Remember, God is good. He is just. He is love. In Romans 2, actually, this is actually very directly addressed. Uh, Paul makes it very, very clear that each of us will be responsible for the amount of revelation that we received. In John chapter 3, we, we find arguably the most popular passage of Scripture in the entire Bible. It, it says there, For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, one of the things that's so great uh, about being a parent is you get to relive all of those things that you love to do as a child now through your children. Uh, my kids, for instance, they love to play hide and seek. 
And, and generally speaking, they like to hide more than they like to seek. So when I play with my three kids, I, I'm primarily the, the seeker. So it is with God. We hide, he seeks. God, again, hang on to those words from John chapter three, God sent his son so we didn't have to go looking for him. No, no, rather he came looking for us. Think about how loving that is. We're the ones who screwed up. We are the ones who rebelled. We are the ones who sinned. And rather than writing us off, he came looking for us. That is how desperately he wants a relationship with you. That is how desperately he wants to win you back, not pay you back. The passage of scripture that most directly speaks to this question, this question of like, what about people who have never heard of of Jesus? We find it uh, very directly actually addressed in, again, Paul's early letter to the Christian church in Rome. Here he shares these thoughts. But but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. It's like, well, how has he done that? He goes, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. In other words, Paul's like, come on, look around. Are you going to try to reasonably claim that, that, that this was just an accident? Church, this is why archaeologists and sociologists have literally never, never discovered a society or civilization that did not have some form of religion that pointed to some form of a God. It's pretty obvious that someone is like behind all of this. This could not possibly be one big coincidence. And remember, we each will be responsible for the amount of revelation that we receive because again, he is good, he is just, and he is love. So, tie bow on this. If no one enters except through the door and, and anyone gets in who passes through the door, then, then we have to tell everyone about the door. I, I wanna tie a bow on this, wrap things up this morning by, by making this really, really practical. Uh, and, and I'm gonna talk to everybody in the room, but I'm gonna kind of separate you into two groups. First, I wanna talk to all the people right now who, who would call themselves a follower of Jesus. Uh, I wanna bring something up. Uh, that we do talk about often around here, uh, an initiative, I guess you could call it, called Who's Your One, uh, where we challenge every single person who would call this place their church home uh, to have one person that they are praying for every single day until that person would come into a relationship, a saving grace relationship with Jesus. Uh, For the people that are gathering us in person today, they're going to be receiving these bookmarks where they have an opportunity to write that person's name down. And and then we'll challenge you to put it in a place where you're going to see it every single day. And every single day, you're praying for that person. Now, if you're watching online right now, uh, it's okay. Uh, Go get a post-it note. uh, Go get a little index card. Put it on your bathroom mirror in your vehicle, somewhere that you're going to see it every single day and make a commitment to pray for that individual every single day. And again, until they step into a relationship with with Jesus. Here's why we make a very, very big deal of this around here, why why this is probably never going to go away in in our life of our church. Uh, You can't hit a target that you don't define. And and one of our values around here is, is we expect God to move. We know that prayer moves the heart of God. Even more than that, we know it's God's desire because it's written for us in this book that no one would perish. It's precisely why he would send us his one and only son, not to pay us back, but to win us back. And something really beautiful happens when you begin to pray daily for that person. You begin to pray daily for your one. 
It's incredible how every conversation is suddenly transformed in your mind into a potential opportunity to share Christ with them. So pray daily for your one, and then when God gives you those opportunities to share your faith with them, step into those opportunities, trusting that the Holy Spirit, that is God in spirit, is going to give you the words. Now let me talk to the second group of people who are, who are watching right now. Those who have yet to put their faith in Jesus. And, and perhaps before today, uh, you've heard about this God that's, that's all judgment, all condemnation. He's exclusive and and he takes some sort of sick pleasure in your shortcomings. That isn't the God we worship around here. The, the, the God we, we worship around here, he wouldn't be turned off by you. He wouldn't be put off by, by your decisions, past or present. There's nothing that you can get him to do to love you more, and there's nothing that you can do to get him to love you less. He, in fact, would have died for you if it was just you. Remember, we hid and, and he sought. He, he seeks out the lost, the hurting, the sinners, but because he loves you so much. For some of you who are seated here today, he, he's, been, he's been knocking on that door for quite some time. And it's time for you to open it. And, and on the other side, you're not going to find a God who's going to take one look at you and slam it in your face. You're not going to find a God who's going to be disappointed or a God who's going to shrug his shoulders in apathy and walk away. No, no, no. He'll be right on that other side, ready to come charging through and wrap you up in his loving embrace. And, and you, yes, you watching today, could, today could be the day of your salvation. Remember, it's not about what you do, what you have done. It's all about what you believe. Do you believe that God would send his one and only son down to this earth, his name is Jesus, to pay the penalty for your sins, but then three days later, he would triumphantly rise from the grave, conquering death, conquering your sin, so that you and I might have new life. And to signify that moment, I'm going to invite you to bow your head right now, wherever you're watching from. You could simply say right now, and to be very clear, it's not a prayer that saves you. It is your belief in Jesus, your trust, your faith in Jesus. But to capture this moment, it could be as simple as saying, Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have no ability to get it together on my own. But I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that, that you sent him for me. That you would have sent him if it, if it was just me. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you came and you died for me, but more importantly, that you rose from the grave so that I might have new life. And from this day forward, Jesus, I choose to live for you. Amen. And we're told that just like that, you're back. And normally at this point, when we give these uh, opportunities for you to receive Christ, for you to put your faith in Christ, uh, we encourage you to text faith decision to 94,000. But for whatever reason, as I was prepping this message, I, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was prompting me to ask you to take a, a different step. And this step actually doesn't exclusively apply to those who, who have put their trust in Jesus this morning. Uh, this actually applies to, to a whole lot more people. Um, I want to invite you uh, to go public with your faith through baptism. We have our next baptism service coming up on October 22nd, and uh, I am confident it is going to be one of the most powerful days in the history of this church. 
but because a bunch of people today who have put their faith in Jesus uh, are going to be going public with their faith. And, and a bunch of people who, let's be honest, have been being blatantly disobedient to the words of Scripture, to the words of Jesus, because again, he says, believe and be baptized, not believe. Take like another 10 years to kind of figure it out and waft in and out of my relationship with Jesus, then be baptized. No, no, he says, believe and be baptized. A bunch of people are going to be obedient to what Jesus has already asked us to do. And, and in fact, your story is now going to help other stories be told. Your story is going to help other people walk through that door. So right now, uh, either go to grumlaw.com slash discover or text grumlaw to 94,000 and follow those prompts for baptism. Even if today it was literally the first time that you have ever put your faith in Jesus, take that step, believe and be baptized. October 22nd is going to be an absolute blast as we get to celebrate a whole bunch of people who have decided to walk through that door. What, what a God we worship. The God of the universe who would get off of his throne for you and I so that you and I uh, might have new life. Uh, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good, that you are kind. We thank you that you paved a way back into relationship with you. We thank you that when we uh, go walking through that door there, we don't find condemnation, we don't find judgment, we don't find guilt, we don't find shame. Remind ourselves even this morning that that is never from you. Instead, we, we find grace and, and mercy when we need it the most. And so God, I, I thank you for the steps of obedience that have been taken today. I thank you for literally the eternities that have been transformed today uh, because of, of your son, that the saving grace of your son. We, we love you so, so much. And it is your holy saving name that we pray. Amen.